We are taking we are taking the sliced meat movement into the future with innovation and really synergizing a lot of the things down that we can do to make our product the best one out there to change lives. Now I want to look at the boars at Twitter. It's probably dope. I'm going on to Instagram. They take their brand serious. I'll tell you what, though. They, the, this tweet really does make me want to try their bold pitcraft slow-smoked turkey. How would you not want this to be your sponsor? Well, no, because there's an article that I just read about. It says, legal beef boiling in New York City court over Boar's Head Deli Meats Fortune. And it's the family suing the family. The, the Brunkhorst family is suing the family. Um... There's an internal struggle to control the, you know, the deli conglomerate here. <laughs> you fucking cocksucker. Apparently it's a total undermine by a dude that had... So, the Connor of the family is basically, like, trying to say that, like, he he, he has a bid as, a, as, as the next heir to the fortune, and... His nieces and nephews have like overlapped him because they all took the fucking training program at headquarters, and uh, and so therefore they're they're he's not entitled to it or he's entitled to it because he's next of kin or something. I don't. Know. There's not a single funny tweet though on the boar's head. It's all just well done advertising. I was expecting more boar's head. Instead, I just feel like my fucking. Blood pressure is going through the roof looking at their asparagus and prosciutto bundles. I'm pretty sure he does some kind of video advertisement for a fast food robbery suspect killed at Domino's in Boulevard, Texas. If there's a place to die, I want it to be Domino's. Look, man, those bread bowls were drugs in college. That, like, chicken carbonara bread bowl was fantastic. Dude, I remember one time I was so gone that I just ordered two of them and I ate them like regular pizza pies. Like a personal pan pizza. I mean, I, I put down some Domino's in my day. I think, um, I think we know that, that story. Well, how much, what's the most amount of Domino's you've ever eaten in one sitting? It probably would have to be at some point in college where... I was like either drunk or insanely stoned where it just didn't matter. What I used to do in college is when I was walking back from the bar, I would stop at Pizza Pub. <laughs> and what I would do was I would order a pizza from there. It's like a buffalo chicken or a chicken bacon ranch pizza, full pizza. And I would say, I want it delivered. And they're like, what? You're right here. I'm like, yeah. But I'm not going to fucking wait here and carry this hot-ass pizza home. I'm going to have it delivered. Because by the time that I walk from Pizza Pub back to 86 Sheldon, it'll be there. How many times was that pizza completely gone by the time you got it? Zero. What? Oh, it must have been super late night and everyone was already passed out. Yeah, I did it like three or four times. And there was one time where I got back and there were people on the porch. And the pizza guy drove right up. I met him at like 
the, the base of the driveway. And I was like, that's for me. Here you go. Uh, and people were like, yeah, uh, give me a slice. I didn't even acknowledge their presence and just walked upstairs and closed the door. That's amazing. It's a bit Honestly, though, mm-hmm. like in a residence hall, it's you just kind of get getting people getting delivery is such a common thing. It's not a huge deal. It was when you lived off campus and someone got it and you were down to like your last like six dollars and 25 cents and you're like hey let me get a slice and a cigarette and a beer do we want to talk about donald trump with a beard or bald by the way he would win 48 states if he was bald with a beard yeah he looks dashing in those uh those photo edits right there he looks like a brave soul like he's seen some shit even though he's never done anything in his life so do we need to do a formal introduction introduce these nuts Uh, oh shit Gross, because your nuts are infected with something. Yeah, not just COVID. What Paul's got? Paul's got fucking throat COVID. He's got long like, COVID then. Yeah, he's got strep, and I think that's worse because that's from like eating shit or something. It's not uh, not washing your wheatgrass before you eat it. I think Paul's gonna start telling us about like guys, you don't shit in your own mouth. It's the new trend. He, you know, that's what that's what you get for not eating boar's head deli meat. Boar's head deli meat. Speaking of throat, COVID. speaking of throat COVID, our sponsor today is the U.S. government. You can go get vaccinated at your local deli counter from Boar's Head. Get come out today, guys. And if you, <laughs> and and if you act now, we'll throw in some. <laughs> Additional American cheddar cheese. 7-Eleven is now selling fucking uh, home tests, by the way. That was a delight that I saw. Literally someone wrote it on a piece of paper and then taped it to the to the door. I was like, yeah, you gotta go to the back of the fucking building to get those. It's so we fucking live, We literally live in Uzbekistan where it's like, yeah, we have clean water here now. <laughs> <laughs> we have resources. They're just hard okay. to get to. Actual question. Do we want to do a formal introduction? I, I feel like you really want to do this formal introduction. Well, if we're going to like introduce this to the world. Do a formal introduction, Tom. So have at it, bud. So does this mean yes. this is going to be... <laughs> Come on. Just fucking yell shit. I'm going to yell shit. That's, that's what I figure our podcast is going to mostly consist of. It was just yelling shit. Come on. Right. When I look like a like a fucking evil fucking like priest or something. Good thing this is for radio. It's not radio. Because then the FCC would be all over us all the time. Yeah, I think throw COVID would have done it. Oh fuck off. Oh fuck off. Oh fuck off, Gato. Oh. Oh god. <laughs> My screen is frozen. <laughs> that having technical difficulties here. That's pretty great. It's a great picture. Good, good catch right there. Good screen grab. Hey, thanks. <laughs> okay, let me find what I had. Uh oh, he's got things. Does everybody have like an asshole of the week and a pick of the week? Your computer's, gonna, your computer's gonna crash in two minutes anyway, so I'm not worried about you. Probably. Which is why I'd like to thank our sponsors, Boar's Head, for um, their delicious meats as well as. All the cash they are infusing into making this podcast great. Thank you, Boar's Head. Go get Boar's Head at your local deli counter now. So I just want to thank uh, Boar's Head for sponsoring the first episode of the Second Mouth Podcast. Now, 
Uh, they have a wide array of meats and cheeses for you to enjoy. Go to your local store today and get Boar's Head products. Uh, quick disclaimer, though. Do not use their mustard to jerk off. Otherwise, it will give you herpes. <laughs> Tom, how are you doing today? Better. <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to the Second Mouse Podcast, a lifestyle podcast about the musings of the day, general commentary, and anything that we feel you need to know. Um <laughs> This is our first episode of the Second Mouse Podcast, so do us all a favor and find us on your streaming platforms like Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, and the Google Play Store. We're just a, a humble group of individuals who are trying to make it in this world, so give us a five-star review and spread the good news to the world. My name is Tom, and guys, do you want to just introduce yourselves? No. I'm too ashamed. He's such a piece of shit. I'm Q. Okay, so we have Q over here. Got him. Happy New Year's, guys. You know, I think it's fair to say, you know, Kevin McAllister said it best. Another Christmas in the trenches. It felt like Christmas, honestly. It, yeah. It did feel like no. Christmas. Also known I, as I always, talking I with, your, with your in-laws. I have a tradition of, of like always kind of like waxing philosophical and feeling like this this year's got to be better, right? It's got to be better. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut this year because um, it's been terrible lately. So yeah, I am going through twenty twenty two with nine and one dialed on my phone and my finger hovering over the other one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys are going about it all wrong. So, so you need to start it. the year with just a really negative outlook, like the world's going to get hit by an asteroid in March, and then you're just pleasantly surprised it doesn't happen, right? I've adopted a new That's a good strategy. Yeah. I've adopted a new tradition of just screaming in terror when the ball drops at midnight on New Year's. So <laughs> I feel like that kind of just kind of sets the tone. Everybody's like chanting <laughs> the numbers as they're going down, and then when you hit Happy New Year, you're yeah. just crying in the corner emotionally. Blood curls, wheels. I, I, I kind of destroy property in front of me and like scream in terror and then just hide in the corner till it's uh, about 12.05 and then I'm usually good to go. Yeah. Five so, minutes. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I'd like to pause our New Year's resolutions and just talk about because we haven't seen each other in a while or spoken. What have you all been up to in the last couple of weeks? Uh, I got COVID. That was fun. Gross. Yeah. Yeah, Tom, come over here. Why don't you uh, let me uh, spit in your face real quick? Good thing I live 14 hours away. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll, I'm outside. Your, I'm in your walls, baby. I'm hiding in your walls right now. Hiding in your walls. That's horrifying. <laughs> I believe it at this point. Actually, can you make a little? Can you go into the den and just make a little hole for me? Because it's starting to starting to lose oxygen in here. The air's getting a little thick. Dude, huh? Let me think. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, I've been quarantined for the last week. Uh, this is day seven. No more symptoms, thankfully. But yeah, tested positive for COVID. Everyone in my family, including my little niece and nephew, got it. Uh, so fun, fun, fun times. Great start way to start twenty twenty two. So, uh, how was your how was your New Year's? I mean, it can only get better from there, right, bud? Uh, it could always get worse too. Not really. I mean, you're not going to get COVID again, like, back-to-back back like that, so... It depends and that's the thing that everyone... This is the first time you, you've gotten COVID, correct? Yeah. Right? So, the first time that I got COVID, I felt like it was a relief afterwards, you know? Because 
Now you're like, okay, I've gotten it. It's no big deal anymore. You know, like, I know what to expect. I know what it's about. The the fear, that edge is kind of taken off. Until you get it, you sit there with a, oh, I don't want to get it. You know, you're, you're worried. You're paranoid about it. You finally get it. You're just, life can, I'm not sure if you're, can I'm not sure if you're. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jair Bolsonaro, who is the leader in Brazil currently. Uh, that man has had COVID like seven times. So as far as I'm concerned, uh, I, I'm good now because I did get my booster and I obviously need the natural immunity to mix into it as well. Uh, but to imagine, goes away eventually. So, but yeah, uh, fun experience and great way to chime in 2022. Tom, uh, the listeners won't be able to uh, see this, but I want to compliment you on your boar's head hat. Uh, it's fucking epic. Thank you so much. It's a high quality hat for a high quality product. Yeah, yeah, truly an amazing sponsor, um, Boar's Head. You know. Uh, always go out there, get the turkey, the oven gold turkey with the lacy Swiss combo. It's delicious. Yeah. And the people are always so nice. They're always so kind. Never disappointed with that product. Love every minute of it. Comfortable hat. Great to advocate. Tom, we got to clear up a rumor, though, because there's a rumor out there that you physically accosted one of the some one of the uh, deli slicers at uh, Stop and Shop, mainly because the oven gold turkey was cut a little too thick for your liking. Do you, do you care to comment on that? Well, look, I think any red-blooded American knows that you need to have your meats sliced thin. So thin yeah. you could wear them as contact lenses. Yeah. And when you don't do that, you disrespect the meat. I mean, what is this fucking Russia? Like, what exactly. is this communist Russia? Like, they're not just throwing. No, they can't be like, because they don't have boar's head in Russia. <laughs> That's what makes America great. It's called <laughs> Boris's head in Russia. I think it's fair to say that if they had boar's head back then during the Soviet Union, the Soviet Union would have dissolved a lot quicker because the minute somebody would have tasted the fine products of boar's head. They would have been like, we need capitalism now. Yeah, we need it now. The guys at Chernobyl, who knows? That might have not happened. If they had quality deli meat in their sandwiches for their 11.30 to 12.15 lunch break, they might have been fine. I want to point out, I emailed the CEO of HBO and I said, I would like to insert Boar's Head products into your Chernobyl movie. And uh, kind of retcon it. You know how like Quentin Tarantino will change the history of things? I sure. want Boar's Head to save the day in Chernobyl. I have not heard back yet. It's been about six months. I did get a restraining order in the mail. Uh, but I'm still hopeful that we might have something going there. Did you check your spam folder? I, I did. It's just not there. But, you know. You see, it'd be interesting because there's a big push to get rid of like smoking cigarettes in movies and TV shows. It'd be very interesting to see if instead of cigarettes, it's just rolled up pieces of bologna. Yes. Yes. Well, Tom, that you read might, my mind. That's brilliant. That might be negative though, because like they might associate cigarettes with our fine Boar's Head products, which of course we all know Boar's Head does not cause cancer. I mean, it is an oral fixation. Boar's Head will the same buzz. Let's let's be honest, but it's twice as healthy. When that first time I had uh, the the honey ham, it just was like yeah, woke up a new person. With both hands. <laughs> I became <laughs> I, I established a Gary V type identity where like nothing can stop me. That's where all of your like 
passive income, your secondary income. Yes. You know, you would just hang out at the little food court at Stop and Shop and just be a man of the people and just hold court. Just struggle around with a cart. You'd go around the corner, come back for a sample. You just swap out glasses in the pharmacy section and just come back with a different pair of sunglasses on. <laughs> so we knew you took the knee brace out of the container just so you can get another like, sample slice. You go for that. Pit roast, pit roast turkey, baby. Oh, wear like a fake, wear like a fake mustache and be like, "Can I try that uh, new turkey?" And they're like, "Sir, we know it's you. You've just been here. If you just want the turkey, just buy it. It's on sale. It's six ninety nine a pound." Yeah, if you buy this, you get another quarter pound of something else. Like you actually can't lose today. And if you have the Stop and Shop like membership card, like it's much cheaper. So just, just. Buy some. And you're like, you, you come back to the counter life. with a different accent every time. Different. Let me let me get a little of the turkey. Oh. So after we went on that little tirade, um, yeah. and Q is currently on, in lockdown right now. Yeah. Gato, how was your New Year's? Um, I uh, had to cover work for Q, so it was quiet. <laughs> Fun times. Yeah. I'm really surprised there was a bunch of things to do on New Year's Eve. I mean, the weather was shit almost the entire holiday, um, the whole week from from Christmas to New Year's. I think it might have been sunny one day up here. Um, so it wasn't like you know, like you just didn't even have that. It was it was a lazy week. You just wanted to be lazy, you know. I I, I got an invite from Riley and Lily. I was asked to work. To, to cover the shifts because half our department has COVID right now. So I just did it. Just yeah. did it. You know. What about you, man? What'd you do? Well, I mean, I have, I've recently moved from Greensboro to Concord, North Carolina. So um, kind of being in a new city, but we have friends down here. So went to dinner with a couple of people um, that we know. And then we went to a house party, which was, which was fun. Um, Played some beer pong and had some jello shots and just had a good old, good old fun time. Was the beer house pong. party also sponsored by Boar's Head? It was not, no. Trust uh, me, no. had I known, I would have I would have brought the meats. You didn't bring a platter. No, that's I didn't awesome. bring a platter, but we brought jello shots and like a bunch of beverages. So I would assume that's like tribute enough. I'd just like to say, anytime that I am invited to a party, wherever it is, whatever the occasion, I know it's always welcome for me to bring a boar's head meat platter. There might have been a meat platter there. I didn't really look around a whole lot in the kitchen, um, but there was food in there. There was finger foods and stuff like that and chips and things like that. I was, I was already full. I had a steak for dinner, so I wasn't really looking to much more. This was, this was going to be a... Um, a liquid party. My, my favorite thing Ooh. to do now is to go to like parties and when they put out like a deli platter or something, I go, is this Boar's Head? And if they don't, if they say, no, no, it's not Boar's Head, I then like fight that person. I actually just pick up each piece of meat and lick it and put it back down. So nobody else can take it. That's smart. <laughs> exactly. I, I, you know what? I'm doing that to save everybody else from, you know, tasting some off-flavored deli meat. I mean, no one wants that in their life. I mean, that's more than fair. So what are you all, do you all have any like, resolutions or any any predictions for 22? What do you all think is going to happen? I, or what do you want to do differently? A part of this show is the reason why it's called The Second Mouse 
is because this is about a theme of resilience and getting better and being the one that's able to make it work. So how are you all going to resemble the second mouse? Well, the first mouse would have just gave up when he got COVID. I did not. It persisted. I'm still alive. Took time so, off. Hey, hey, listen. Listen. Shut your mouth over there. <laughs> I, I would say my, I'm keeping it kind of basic because I, I, tend to, I tend to overdo on New Year's resolutions. So I uh, made some good progress this year. So I think I'm just going to try and continue on that level of progress. And... Uh, as far as it goes, uh, try not to get get COVID again. But again, as far as I'm, I'm gonna keep them just small, just because you know, six months from now, who knows what we're gonna be. So, yeah, that's fair. Gato, what about you? Any resolutions? Any things you want to do? Um, yeah, I mean, every year, you know, you, you make these goals, right? And um, like Q said, it's you know, a lot of times they're. They're maybe a little too ambitious, or they they take a lot more than than you think initially when you make that resolution. And so, I think this year one of the big things I'm going to actually try is to become a little bit more organized on how I set like day to day scheduling and things like that. And so, I think I'll be able to accomplish a lot more without having to set big bold goals by being able to be a little bit more organized and what planners and erase boards to like actually organize my day to days so that I'm not running around trying to play catch up. I can actually see what I need to do or accomplish for that day. And I think that's going to be the big difference on making this year a fucking real kick-ass year. Not that last year was that terrible, but yeah, it was that terrible. I mean, we're only a few days into 22. How has that been going for you so far? It's actually pretty good. I'll, I'll write down things to do that day. If I don't get to them, it's all right, because I can even come back the next day and do some of them. Like, I didn't get to something yesterday. I did it today. You just check it off as you go, you know, and you, you just kind of keep it going. And it it seems to be really effective, you know. I, I, when, you, when you're just trying to hold, you know, think about it all in your head and, like, keep all those dates and those those appointments in your head, you're just like... It, it kind of it'll, it'll run you mad, but when you're able to see it on paper, you're like, oh, that's that's attainable. I can that. Okay, I can put that off. You know, I just throw yeah. curveballs at you. You got to be able to adapt. I feel like putting it onto a list gives you a little bit more peace in mind. And it's this is a a, a planner that I got from Boar's Head. Um, oh. Their promotional, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, really high quality paper. Cheese. Like um, it's high quality. Anywhere just amazing. I mean, the binding on this thing. This is an old style of binding. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but Boar's Head found a way. I mean, you know, they're just an amazing company. Boar's Head. They actually use hardened they chicken skin. They have the real meats. What? They use, they use hardened chicken skin for the binding. That's why it's real real quality. Yeah, they actually they, they, uh, they tanned a, a cowhide. Beautiful. So, I want to ask you a question, though. Um, outside of having a slice for each task you complete in the day, what's your reward structure look like? Because very often I hear about like how to be organized and do all these things, but very often a lot of the methods that are used end up leaving people feel like they haven't accomplished stuff or they feel bad because they haven't done all of the things on their list in the day. So what are you doing to reward yourself or be reflective at the end of the day? Tom, you're being too good of a listener because I didn't even think about 
that or go that far into it. Um, to me, it just feels like a little personal victory every time I check off something, right? Like, I, I write down everything in pencil, but when I finish it, I check it off in pen, you know? And mm-hmm. um, it, it's just that is a little positive boost. Um, I like to load up my mornings with, like, an easy-to-do task. I like to add some consistent tasks. Uh, for, for instance, like, I'll put something like read, you know? And that's an easy one that you can just start your day. You wake up in the morning, you're, you're brewing some coffee, you just read for a little bit and boom you've already got one off mm-hmm. and um that right there kind of motivates you to get more because then you want to see how many you can get done in a day you know yeah. so it's nice it's built you know it's a snowball thing. something yeah, I, that i something that i've done in the past is it's done something very similar to that but also have a running list of things that you've accomplished. So at the end of your day, at like the end of your work day, right? You write down like the things you were able to do just to give you some understanding of this was a productive day. Cause very often we're not gonna look at the stuff that's crossed off. We're gonna look at the stuff that's been left. We're like, oh, I didn't yeah. do this today. So I've used a running list of things that I was able to do during the day, which is also a good motivator for like, I can do this again tomorrow, but at the same time, like understanding that you were productive during the day, don't focus on the stuff you didn't do, but the stuff you were able to do. Question for you guys, because mm-hmm. this is the one thing I sh- I'm going to uh, feel like I struggle with with this. How do, you, how do you maintain consistency with that? Consistency in doing that. I think routine is really important. And I think with routine comes discipline and with discipline comes consistency. And the more you ingrain that into your day, the weirder it's going to be if you're not able to do that. So I, I am very much like you, Gatto, where I like to start my day with like 30 minutes of reading. But if I don't do that, I feel like I'm like my day is is weird in that regard. And that's been a habit that I built because honestly, I don't want to read at the end of the day. My eyes are tired. I've been staring at a computer screen all day long. I really want to do something where I'm not necessarily like having to use my brain a ton. Being able to force yourself to do something at first and then building that like repetition, you start to build that comfort with like, this is how my day is supposed to go. And then when it diverts or something like that, you're like, I have to do that tomorrow or I have to find a way to do that later on during the day. My wife makes fun of me all the time. She's like, your your routine is boring. I'm like, right, but my routine gives me a timeline throughout the day of when things should happen. Kind of grounds you through, yeah. Keeps you yeah, it does. And I find the things that like bring me comfort also can bring me anxiety too. Like the Fitbit has been awesome at like keeping me motivated to exercise. We, you know, Gato and I have talked about this ton. Uh, the idea of like gamifying you mm-hmm. know, your goals and little red little dots on my my watch turn green when i hit all my goals for the day and that's what like hitting covid has been extremely infuriating because my shit my my watch like buzzes every hour to help me like to get moving and stuff and obviously the last week i really haven't really been doing anything so i find that thing that motivates me can also can like drive me crazy but keeping perspective is going to be important this year and not beating myself up for missing goals is going to be the most important thing. I think because I I realized that in the past I've been too hard on myself and I find that sometimes that can actually completely knock me off the tracks comparably to where if I just accept it for what it is and move on, um, I I find myself more motivated long term. 
So you're you're speaking kind of on on what happens with adversity, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and and is there anything you're going to be doing specifically when adversity going to that mindset that you've just laid out for us? I think I think well because the anxiety is the worst part of it is because if I miss something, then I think it's the anxiety that I get from it, and I have to. I think it's and again. It, there's really no cure for anxiety, right? It's just it's either acceptance or you go through it or you have you know panic attacks if it's hits the the worst end of the spectrum. Uh, so I think for me, it's just acceptance that I, there's not really much I can do to change it. It is what it is, and I find you know I find that to be a comforting statement. As, aside from it being cliche, which it is, it is kind of a comforting statement that you, there are some things that are out of your control, and uh, realizing that. Some things are just out of your control, and but anything that is in your control, make sure you handle. So keeping it simple this year. And in some cases too, like it doesn't need to be massive changes in your day, right? I think very often when we talk about like New Year's resolutions and things like that, we're looking at like these significant shifts in like your behavior or things you're going to do. People set very lofty goals without any necessarily like how you're going to get there. But the how you're going to get there or the why you're going to get there is more important than the what, right? Because I want to get more organized. Like, why do you want to get more organized? And understanding, like, the challenges that come with being unorganized, like you miss deadlines or you feel like you're waking up every morning and you don't know what today is going to bring. Understanding the why and then building the what and then framing the how you're going to do it is the way that you're also going to make those more consistent as well. Which is, you know, you kind of hit that that nail right there with that too, because I think a lot of people, they, they set these goals and then they fail or they start to fail. And instead of like, you know, they, they try to overcorrect or they decide to just give up, what have you, but fall short on something, it's better to just ask that why, right? Like go... Mm-hmm. And turn around and say, okay, so what was the reason that I wasn't able to hit my goal or get this or or maintain that, whatever it is, you know? And when you start to go back and be retrospective on it, you, you find, oh, okay, I see the dots that connect lie here, right? Like you said. And from there, you can actually find when that, you know, when you get back on track, because you got to keep that mindset, right? The adversity mindset you were talking about, Q. The thought process for me is also to limit rewards, because I find that rewards can sometimes negatively impact me. Um, Not that I like, not that I think they're bad. And again, I think it's different for everybody. Um, But I've noticed that for me, rewards get me a little too, like, I guess pacify would be the right word. And I find that I'm less productive the more I reward myself. So I think in 2022, I'm going to be a little bit stricter. I think which actually would be better, you know, saving more money, being more judicious about about buy and stuff like that. So um, I don't think it's a bad thing to sometimes kind of withhold rewards from yourself. Uh, but again, it, it really is up to the individual how you how you feel on that. Yeah, I think the bottom line with a lot of like goal setting and things like that, specifically with New Year's resolutions, is it's it's really a choose your adventure, right? Like what works for you, Q, might not work for me yep. and vice and might not work for Gatto either. So 
I think you just need to understand like, where do you feel your motivation from? Where do you feel your anxiety from? And then what gets you to stay, um, stay on task, but then also how do you course correct in a way that's not like trying to turn the boat away from the iceberg completely, but like understanding what brought you to that iceberg. RIP Titanic. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a, it's a tough one because I, I find myself that like it doesn't take a lot to get thrown off of course, and and that's the problem. Maybe one bad day, one bad day will do. One, it. yeah, it could be one, it could be a couple bad hours of you know. And again, like I, I I'm I'm very similar, and that routine is extremely important to me. And then if I break <laughs> off of that, I I feel like the entire day is kind of ruined, which. You know, again, I, I it's something that I have to work through because uh, for me, like, I can't allow something like that to throw me off. But you know, I feel also that keeping a certain routine is also kind of an important piece of it. I mean, a part of that is changing that mindset that something throws me off. Right now, I'm off. Right, like you're still on. You've just encountered some shit, you know, like changing that. It's part like you, you started to touch on this too. Um, the terms like radical acceptance, right? You just have to acknowledge and accept, you know, what is happening, what is going on around you, what, whatever it is, you have to just accept it. And from there you can build because you're able to, from that point, you can make your turning point is because you've radically accepted. Now you can make a change. Can't do that until you've accepted, right, in the first place. And I know, like, that's, it's easier said than done. We can sit here and we can talk about it. We can intellectualize it as such. It's way harder on paper, right? I don't know, for strategies for stuff like that, I like, I like to think highlighting that moment, having it to reflect back on later is something that's really nice. You know, because that was that moment and I passed it. Like, the reality is, in life, it's not necessarily going to get better at any moment. From this point on, your life could get worse and worse and worse, right? Mm-hmm. There's always there's always deeper, there's always a bigger bottom. There, oh, there always is, man, 100%. The thing about it is that you've dealt with everything negative that has happened to you in your life up to this point. Whatever comes at you next, you will have to deal with. And whatever comes after that, you will have to deal with. So if you understand that that's going to happen, you can kind of just say, the hell with it, and I'm going to continue on in my course. Don't let that sidetrack you. Don't let that become a thing. So to get back from being sidetracked, um, <laughs> I was you know, I was thinking of John Madden, who died recently, and I was thinking back to all of the games, like the Madden games. And there was always like one play in that game, always like one play in the playbook, right? You would go to and you knew it was a winner. Like you were either gonna get positive yardage, you were guaranteed to get a sack on somebody or score a touchdown. So like, what is the what is the play in your like daily playbook that anchors your day? I mean, I would go with the trips three and then do it the throw to the flag route if we were playing Madden, but that was- Sure. <laughs> it was worked for whatever reason. Oh yeah, there are always plays that would like glitch out, and you were guaranteed to get something. But like, what is what is an action? What is an action or behavior during your day that anchors it? That like you know that your day is going to be good if you're able to do this. I, I'm finding myself getting more instinctual on like knowing if days are going to be good or not. I think working out has kind of become that crutch. Um, I would agree. 
which is a good crutch to have. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a better crutch to have than anything else. Yeah, I, f- I find that like if I can get into the gym and and the, the, but that's also a minefield too because hitting there there are different days at the gym, right? There are days where you feel really good about what you did at the gym. There are days that you don't feel that good about what you did at the gym, and so it's like it's a fucking minefield no matter what you do. But for me, if I have a really good gym day, that's the, the rest of the day is going to be pretty easy. Usually for me, it's when I sink my teeth into that first slice of delicious boar's head. As one does. As one does. <laughs> you know, looking up from that point on. Yeah, actually, it's funny because working out's definitely getting that exercise, getting that physical accomplishment is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Especially these days. I mean, the three of us, we have desk jobs. It doesn't feel like it's a complete day without some movement. Right? Like, without doing... I don't know what it is. I just... I feel incomplete if there's not something in my day that involves a physical activity. I feel I feel shitty on those days that I don't do that. Um, yeah. Even on those days that I'm not feeling it, just knowing that I've completed a form of physical activity is better than knowing that I just sat on the couch all day. But also, to mention that, there have been... I find that there have been days where I don't feel into it and i'm like oh, i really don't want to do it today i find that some sometimes on those days i eventually push myself out the door to go work out i find that sometimes those are the best days in the gym that's a hate workout, hate workout right? <laughs> you know i had a very i had very much a day like that i normally wake up and go to the gym <laughs> so um i normally start pretty early like i'll get up around you know quarter after five and go because i don't like going with a ton of people there but also i prefer to just get it out of the way in the morning all right Mark I, didn't, Wahlberg. I didn't do it this time i just well i didn't pray for 45 minutes in the morning and then have like a eight minute snack and hang out with my kids for four you know, i mean minutes. All joking aside, because I know we'll probably rip on Mark Wahlberg's amazing productive schedule at some point. You know, we were talking about that little win. I guess, like, if you start your day praying, like, that's the little win. You know what I mean? Like, you've already accomplished something for the day. Tom, I want to point out something. That it just it's, it's quite shameful, because by the time 515 rolls around, Mark Wahlberg's already on a second snack and heading towards the second workout. You should be fucking ashamed of yourself. He's, he's already had bathroom time number two. Okay. So... <laughs> He's at bathroom time number two. No, he's not doing number two per se. He's having his second bathroom time. It's his second no, no, allotted gotta, bathroom break. Hold on, I gotta ask a question though. So Mark Wahlberg's schedule, to not to get off on a rant. Mark Wahlberg has a daily schedule. If you've never seen it, please Google it. It's fucking mental. What happens if he like gets diarrhea or something? Push everything off and still complete everything? Does he what is he does he eliminate stuff? What does he eliminate if that's the case? Does he not pray one day? I need to know. This haunts me at night. It keeps me up at night. I, I, well, he's got his business family time workout session like that's slashed into his schedule. So does he just eliminate the child time? That's it. He definitely is like, hey, kid, get the fuck away from me. Let's yeah. be honest. The guy only I works for an And I game. have to work out. I can't hang out with my kids today. <laughs> <laughs> He, he actually there's a, there's one time where he picks up the kids from school he leaves them at school if that's the case like he'll just say like you keep them for the night keep them there until the next day and that's that's what he does he leaves yeah, them. He actually picks them up, up or did someone pick them up and he's just in, in the car the science lab 
Put them next to the Bunsen burner in the science lab. They'll they'll be warm. Like I'm sure you got something laying around in the cafeteria. You got those fire blankets, you know, those blankets that you put over people when. Uh... You know, I you you have to wonder though. Does Mark Wahlberg actually eat, or is everything like IV injected so he has like no body fat? So it's hard to get diarrhea if you are just like getting all of your nutrition through like. I actually reached out to Mark Wahlberg's press secretary, and she gave me a very Kim Jong Un answer that he actually does his body meta- like metabolizes everything, and he doesn't actually use the bed. He's like a flower, like you're like a like a plant or a tree. He synthesizes, yes. It's it's marvelous. He's, he should be studied. I don't want to get us off track here, but I'm going to because this is a very special week for us. In the two, uh, the Second Mouth podcast, we have two, not one, two people in the fantasy football finals. So I'm not going to take too long here, but I want both of you, one at a time, um, to tell me what you're going to do to the other person's team. Right, Tom? Got okay, he doesn't have an answer, so I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do to his team. I am going to make his team regret the 2022 resolutions that Gatto has put in front of him. I am going to make his team so disorganized they're all going to Antonio Brown off the field. Now, Tom, now, Tom, I want to I want to stop you for a moment because if you remember, we're going to do this again next week. You're, you're going to talk a big game, but what happens if you lose? So remember, we're going to revisit this next week. You may want to think carefully. Are you mad that I've just beaten you already? So you're trying to like play that listen, game? Listen, listen. I think we all know who the superior team was. I think we all know that you caught, you gave me COVID, you took my defenses down, and you sabotaged me. And it's okay. You know what? I forget. I forgive you, Tom. I forgive you because you, you have should that forgive word. yourself for picking that lineup. <laughs> <laughs> so don't I'm come gonna, for me q and think <laughs> that you're gonna try and curate this narrative that your team was just slighted in some way and you're the better team yeah, man you lost some... facts don't care about your feelings <laughs> <laughs> listen i'm just saying it's very mysterious that i got COVID out of nowhere so not saying i'm not tom i'm not accusing you okay but i'm just saying very curious Tom, start us up again. What are you gonna? Do? Are you gonna do things that are legal in the state of Alabama to the Gatos team, or are you gonna do illegal things? I am going to everything legal in Alabama, so that's not even a then, fair question. And then drive to Long Island, shake his hand, and then shame you in public, Q, for hours on end. I'm gonna invite everyone no, this to public even house. Sound mad at all. You know this sounds. And this just verbally like, berate you in front of friends and family. This, this I might bench like, my entire team just so this happens. This sounds like this sounds like a man who's not very confident, Gatto. I mean, I'm, I don't know about you, but this is this is to me the fact that he's coming after me right now and talking about past wins, as in past wins mean anything in fantasy football. Let's be real. I it's to, I don't know if you feel the same way, Gatto. It sounds like a man who is not very confident in his team this week. And I did check the projection, and the projection has him down about 15 points so far seems like a tough road to come back from so Gato, i don't know how you feel about this look um you know i'm not running a fucking clown show here all right my <laughs> team this is a pt barnum and fucking bailey okay my team knows what they need to do they're gonna go out there on sunday and they're gonna fucking perform at the highest levels i'm telling you right now um the nfl is gonna cancel monday night football because of this Ooh. yeah 
So I would like to point out the um, William Obvious. Floyd High School collusion that's happening here. Because if I'm not mistaken, in the quarterfinal matchup, I was projected to lose against UQ. And what I did was I dropped 35 on you. The final, the final was 142 to 109. That's not even a contest. Hey, listen, listen. Uh, we're going to get to my asshole of the week eventually, Mr. Aaron Rodgers. You're talking about past victories still, Tom. And, like, although, yes, I'm sure that was a great victory for you. I'm sure you masturbated to your lineup later that night and it felt great. That's not going to get you a win this week. I feel like you're focusing a lot on me here. And you really should be focusing on your opponent this week, Anthony Cotto. And how dare you, sir? William Floyd collusion, how dare you? I'm offended. It's, it's, it's first off, it's not about how you start, right? We all know this. It's how you finish. And last week, the brutal onslaught that you put on on Steve Joa, it, it frankly was just too much. Honestly, it was brutal. Crime. 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 It brutal yeah, it was brutal. And I just see a team that has reached its peak at that moment. You know, I think they're, they're going to take off next week. I think you drafted a lot of players that have nothing to live for in Week 18. And that's where I'm going to thrive because they're not the greatest players, but they're the consistent players, right? I got Jonathan Taylor in a do-or-die. I know it. He's going to have to put up the points to fucking make it up for Indianapolis because they're having a rough end to this year, you know? They have to win. They have to win this week, and they got the Jaguars, so... I'm predicting Jonathan Taylor is going to stomp a mud hole in your ass. Uh, I look at Russell Russell Wilson right now playing for pride, playing to show that he's got what it still takes to, to win championships. It's not going to happen this year. The real but, question is, is the Roma going to bench Joe Burrow again this week? Because you benched Joe Burrow the last two weeks during his biggest I'm, run ever. Kind of lucky. And won both of those matches, by the way, by decisive numbers, including one against UQ. This is, this is not the week. Look, I learned this in my other championship matchup last week. This is not the week to make big tweaks. You make tiny adjustments that you've made throughout the year. Consistency. Consistency gets you into the fucking finals. Otherwise, you don't get there, right? Don't make the big tweaks. Don't do it. Don't I will say, if I lose, I am going to file a grievance against the commissioner of our league for making our championship in the last week of the NFL season. I did that to encourage sportsmanship for longer periods of time. It was so we should have been a chance to unfuck their season. You know what's interesting, Tom? I find I, you know what I find really funny is that typically after like a big week on fantasy, I typically have like a, a real fucking stinker the next week. He I really actually, wants to see you lose. <laughs> I was in a champion. I was actually in two championships in my money leagues, and the one I was. Did you lose both win, of them? You lost both I won. Of them, no, actually, I won. Hey, I'll, I'll send you the screenshot. I'll need that. The one that I expected, the one that I expected to win, I lost, and the one that I expected to lose, I won. Mainly because of how correction, like almost like, almost like stack corrections at this point. So you've been running kind of hot lately. <sighs> he might be. He might be due for a downfall this week. And that's the thing about streaks. So. So you said that after your big game, <clears throat> you lost. But after my mm -hmm. big win against you, I won by more the next week. I didn't say it was every single week, Tommy boy. I didn't say it was every single week, but it feels like you're due. You know, this is a very Colin Cowherd argument from you um, or a Skip Bayless argument against winners. And 
You know, I think there is a difference between those who are in the fifth. Those who are in the fifth place game. I'm sorry. Are you Tim Tebow in this scenario? No, no. I am Jalen Rose. Jalen Rose in this scenario where Jalen Rose had to go out and apologize on television because Skip Bayless got his feelings hurt because he never played professional basketball. We all know, though, that that Skip Bayless has one main winner. Like, he's only really referred to one person as a winner, and it's Tim Tebow. So, it's so facto, you just compared yourself to Tim Tebow. Lawyered, you're going to lose. Is that really a fact? I will dance on your fucking Is that really a fact? Is that really a fact? I can't wait to book my first class ticket on the Southwest Boeing 737 A-Class that I'm going to get on to fly to Long Island and throw like a ripper at Public House with you in the Bubble Boy costume to be publicly shamed for your comments. Um, you know what's worse? You know what's I am worse? going to invite your fifth grade teacher who is like, I am retired. I don't care about this. Who is this man? Who are you? Why are you yelling at him? <laughs> you know what's worse than being in the fifth, the fifth place uh, matchup? Which, by the way, losing I it. Won. Losing you know what, it. No, you know what? By, you know what? By the way, I fucking crushed in fucking fifth place final. Scored 149 points this week. Wow, but you know what's so worse brave. than that? Getting to the championship and then fucking losing like a dog. Hey, man, no one remembers the person who won the fifth-place championship. No one remembers the second place either, buddy. Right, but at least it was second place instead of fifth. Yeah, enjoy your consolation prize because that's all you get in this week. I would just like to remark, thank you, Antonio Brown, for costing oh, we'll me get the championship. I will have your meats, Tom. I'm going to have your fucking meats. <laughs> Cut. I hope, I hope Cut. that Cut. I hope boys had... Personally bans Antonio Brown from ever savoring their meats again. I'm gonna make I'm gonna run a fucking boar's head Daroma fucking sale. And it's called Get Your Meats While You Can because they're going out of sale. That's it. That's, that's it. what the sale is gonna be. Yeah, come get your meats. That's uh that's good marketing right there. Something yeah. that has like no turn of phrase or no catchiness to it, like Come get your meats. It's basically a play on Arby's. We have the meats. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Gonna, so we're Brian now going to have Arby's and Ving Rames come to sue us on top of Boar's Head because we've mentioned them like 15 times. Um, they're a sponsor. Come on. I actually don't know if we can do that a lot. Like, we need to be careful about how often that's mentioned. I think they're a public entity. Um, we're allowed to Are talk about them. I think as long as I think as long as long as we put in the notes that it's parody. I truly believe that they make a superior deli product. How about this? How about um, this? I Boar's sit behind Boar's everything I've said about Boar's Head because I've only said good things. How about this? Boar's Head is a sponsor. Wink. But it could be. <laughs> so we Tom, just love Boar's Head and Tom Pat. Mostly Tom Pat. I can think of no better marketing tool for this podcast than getting sued by Boris Head. Yeah, honestly. They're going to sue us for talking about how great. Okay. So sponsored by, uh, by, by Gatorade. Made for zeros. You're, I'm going to fucking <laughs> dance on your grave, Daroma. We're also sponsored today by Ricola. Um, what are you drinking? Just regular non-alcoholic seltzer. Oh, I thought you were drinking booze. No, Ooch. not tonight. Not tonight. Uh-oh. 
The Gucci bubbles. I thought, uh, no? Oh. No, it's just straight up Harris Teeter. It looks like, honestly, that looks like a beer can. I mean, it is a 12-ounce tin can, so. Um, it's my fucking weekend, so don't judge me. And also, I went out, so Costco, <laughs> so Costco had a deal. Um, they were trying to get rid of their last of the Bell's Christmas multi-pack or whatever. They were 12s of their, their like, Christmas ale. It's a Scotch ale. Fucking, their two-hearted ale, which we've Ooh, talked about. Good. Amazing. Um, it, it has, I think it has a Belgian wheat and, um... It's called spruce tips. It's it's basically uh to me it tastes like rosemary, but I have terrible taste and smell since COVID. It's uh it's it's, it's an IPA. Um, but I, I was able to get these twelves of it for like under ten bucks. So I went and I bought like six of them. Um, but the problem is that like some of them are like the Scotch ales. They're pretty heavy hitters. So I've been working through them at a trudging pace for me because if I drink four of these in a night, I'm fucking donezo. Which What's the yeah, percentage no, on case for me? What's the percentage on that Scotch one? It's probably like nine or ten, right? It's it's not even that high. It's seven and a half. It's not even high. It's it's a it's mild. It actually has a very it's nice. It's like a chocolate porter. It fucking kicks my ass, man. Um, in a nice way. Like I don't have a hangover in the morning. Um, I've never had a Scotch ale that was not like oh just a ground and pound beer like there's something in the brewing process where like it it's it's a heavy beer it's like a double ipa in like how hard it hits you i gotta be honest this this one by bells the the christmas ale that's what it that's what it's called um is actually pretty delightful it's not it's not overbearing. It's not heavy. It doesn't have a like some of the Scotch ales. Like they almost have that like effect of you know Scotch, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it hits you in like the back of the fucking throat. It doesn't. This one doesn't have that. It's got a smooth chocolate kind of uh, hit to it. Maybe a little caramely, and and it's warm, but it's not like it's not it's not heavy. You know, like you drink like one, and you're just like, oh, I I fucking had enough. Let's call it quits. I'm gonna go lay down now. This one you can drink about five or six and be fine. Not fine, but you fucking know it. All, all I know is that that beer at Blue, uh, Blue Point Brewery was like thirteen percent, and that, by the by the second one, I was fucking done. I mean, it's it's that's stronger than most wines at that point, right? What, which mm-hmm. one was that one? I can't remember the name. Was that the chocolate crumb cake or the coffee crumb cake? No, it was it was a wheat beer. It was it was not like a porter or it was a, like a wheat, something like that. No way, it was. I thought I thought you had the blueberry. No, that that's like six percent. That's just like a regular drinking beer. Dude, the one Chuck had was the, that was the crumb cake, and that was like fucking twelve too. I was like that thing will knock your fucking socks off. You can't drink yeah. too many of those. Four of them is equivalent to drinking. A bottle of fucking wine. I just know? pretty much looked for like whatever, what, like I looked on the list, whatever had the best name of like in the the double digit percentage, and I was like, yeah, I'll try that one. It was fucking really good. Well, did you like that one? I, you know, now that we're not in that setting, um, did you like that one, the hazy IPA or whatever? What the the one that they infused weed with? You didn't like it, right? Okay, okay. 
They, props, they, to, props to that chick for knowing, like, I'm a... I'm a she read you a little mile away. <laughs> like, I got you this, I got, she gave me this free beer because she's like, I can tell you're a stoner, so here you go. And, like, props. I couldn't, I couldn't take a sip of it because the smell, like, the, literally put it up to my, like, my lips, the smell of weed permeating. But, like, not... It smelled like bong water. So I was yeah. like... It did have a bong water effect, yeah. I, I, I have to say, like... That was that was unique. From I could smell that one across the table. You know what I mean? Like it, oh, it is terrible. it is very unique. It is novelty. I'm not gonna say it's bad necessarily. Was it when you drank it? It was very skunky, but it was it was still just a quality IPA, right? It was. I, I I've said before, and you you already know my takes on IPAs. I think they're fucking garbage to begin with. So it was an IPA, and then it smelled like bong water. So I was like very politely like. With Blue Point, I actually really like, and and I'm very happy to see that they they've been acquired by, um, uh, the Bavarian beer company, whatever uh, Budweiser, um, and and they still have retained a lot of their own identity just at a larger scale. And I and the people that are there are actually really really great. Like I've gotten to know them through Ashley, and they're they're awesome. They do brew good beers. Um, but that one's kind of not not so much the case. Uh, <laughs> Everyone, we're now sponsored by Blue Point Brewery out in Patcho. Mm-hmm. Dude, it would be a it would be a dynamic duo if we could set them up with Boar's Head. <laughs> Just you know, a sandwich and a beer. I can't think of a better combo. Oh, you're going out like Ben Roethlisberger. Speaking of Ben, he had yeah. his. He had his last home game with the Pittsburgh Steelers um, the other day, and um, there's been a lot of a lot of hype that this is his last year. And again, it's probably like ninety five percent certain this is his last year. Yeah, um, it doesn't uh, matter until he officially retires. And didn't didn't the next he actually starts. say? Didn't he actually say though? Oh, no. it, it wasn't. I saw I saw an article that said Big Ben. In an interview, actually said this is likely his last game. Well, he he was very mad about like saying, "Yeah, I'm retiring at the end of the year." Because I think, I, and maybe that's like a holding out hope that they'll be like, "Hey, Ben, here's another thirty million dollars. Come back next year." You that, know? That's what I was going to ask you because I know you're the you follow the contracts. Is uh, is his contract up? What's going on with that? I don't know. I don't know. But I mean, I I think I think they've been hope. I think Bobby Bullside's been hoping to move him for the last few years. They're doing what the Giants did a couple years ago with Eli Manning. It's like, we can't disrespect a legend, you know? So it's like, we need to let him leave on his own terms. But it's like, you can see that he's not the same guy anymore. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger ever was, like, the greatest quarterback. But, like, he's, like, like a, a, you know... He's an icon in that city because he won Super Bowls. Question. And, and you two are really good at breaking down the sports here. So that's why I'm going to pose it to both of you. Where does Ben Roethlisberger's legacy stand? As a as a very good quarterback. I, I mean, he's going to make the Hall of Fame probably just off of the Super Bowls and the amount of time he spent in the league. I think he's made like probably like – Five Pro Bowls, six, um, six. Okay, so I was right around there. Mm-hmm. Um, consider him not, elite. That no, I never considered him elite. People have to remember. Go back and look at his stat line 
from the like his first, well, I think he won a Super Bowl in his second year. I think it was one of two thousand and five. Five. Yeah, they beat the they beat the what the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that was a good he, one. He didn't really have to do. He didn't. Yeah, it was a good game. He didn't really have to do much because that was the time they had like top three defense, uh, and then he had Jerome Betts, who was just like mowing people over. So, and then he won in two thousand what two thousand and nine, I think it was. Yes, um, that was the Cardinal game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, with Kurt Warner, and you know that was a, that was a good game, and obviously that throw to San Antonio Holmes in the back of the end zone was legendary. Um, I think the catch was was amazing, but I don't I don't think he really he was more of a facilitator. He just was very good with the ball, knew where to go, has a great arm, could run the ball really well. But I think the he benefited from having the Steelers. Um, always having a constantly good running game and a good defense. I think if you put Phil Rivers or Eli Manning on that team, probably would have been the same result. Um, so, how do you feel about that? So I, I agree very much with Q, and I think this is going to be a controversial take from both of us in the sense that I think ESPN has hyped up this potential retirement to be something like this is a legend retiring when in reality, he's a very good NFL player that I think his numbers tell a better story than how his play was the last several years. Like, yeah. he has amassed big numbers because he, he's played so long, not necessarily because he's been putting up big numbers. I think there's only maybe four times in his career of 18 years where he's thrown for more than 30 touchdowns. Not to mention, um, he, he was drafted in 2000. He's the last of the 2004 class of quarterback. And I and think one he, of the things he, I think brings the hype, right? Yeah. He does deserve a lot of credit because he is in a lot of games. Like he was somebody who hurt, healthy, whatever. He was showing up to games. Like he had surgery a bunch of times and showed up um, like a few weeks after and played well. I think he gets a lot of credit for being a guy who's willing to play hurt. If, if I had to say there's a standout, that's actually one of the things I have to say about Big Ben. Of the people that have had injuries or setbacks, he's somebody that afterwards comes out and plays just as hard as before them. Where you yeah. still, in, in this league... It's very easy to get battered and bruised and never really fully come back to where you were before that, you know? Yeah. There's there's two things I want to say, though. One, I was listening to the radio today. On ESPN, they were talking – Some I think it was Bart Scott. He was talking about, like, the AFC North and how physical of a, of a division that was. But if you look at like the successful years that Big Ben had from 2004 to like 2014 or 2015, it really was only the Ravens. Yeah. They were like, the Browns sucked every year and were a mess. The Bengals were a team that historically were never able to beat the Steelers. Yeah. And the only team that was worth worth it was the Ravens. And they were kind of up and down during that time period as well. Because you never knew what you were going to get out of Joe Flacco, who was not elite, by the way. So I think there there's always been this narrative like the AFC North is like this incredibly hard conference. When in reality, you had a team that went 1-15 one year. Let's pump the brakes on how hard this was. The second part that does not get as nearly as much play as I think it should and warrants is this is also a guy 
that was suspended by the league, although not proved in court and not convicted in court, the league felt there was enough there to suspend him for a series of games for a sexual assault. And I think we've, as the media has done a very good job of ignoring all of the things that they don't think is good publicity, but he's also not done anything that has shown that he's been like remorseful or rectifying that situation. And I, I have a hard time glorifying folks who have done something like that and have not shown any kind of change in behavior or willingness to accept what they've done. I think that's when, yeah, I think, I think when you are not convicted that that's the part that they're always going to play, right? Is that they're always, gonna, right. they're, they're always, whenever you're in a situation where he knows that he's clear, right? Because clearly the DA was like, we're not going to like he knows that like it's pretty much a dead issue. You can maintain that level of like I did nothing. I don't have to change anything because I did nothing wrong. But yeah, it's troubling that that never gets covered. But I also I also understand from their that their standpoint is that they probably are worried about getting sued if that's the case. If they if they keep bringing it up, um, you know, you have to kind of tiptoe it with keep saying allegedly because unfortunately. It hasn't been proven uh, to be, but I think it was also multiple from from correct, wasn't it? Wasn't it more than once that this happened that he was accused? It was it was longer ago than I remember, um, but I do know that there was one for a fact. I don't know if there was more than that, but it would not shock me if there was multiple accusers. So, to me, I I, I see two things here. One, um, we're talking about the NFL. The NFL is yes, probably one fair. of the best at um, promotional public relations. I mean, as far as their marketing firm goes, I mean, no one, no one does it better, in my opinion. And I think there's twofold here going on here. And, and it has less to do with Ben Roethlisberger himself and more to do with um, the fact that they're starting the narrative for next year about who's going to replace Ben Roethlisberger, making that a newsworthy story to go the entirety of the offseason. Yes. That's coming. That's that's what's coming. That's why they're talking about it now. And then the other thing is that we're talking about the end of an era, right? Um, largely, I mean, you look at Super Bowl wins, you have to always talk about, the as an organization, the Pittsburgh Steelers are one of the best in the NFL based on Super Bowl wins, based on wins in general. I mean, they're they're a competitive team year to year. They're an organized franchise that gets the work done. Um, they've they've had you know in the, in that era, it was Ben Roethlisberger in that last big era, right? Like Terry Bradshaw before that, and and the Steelers then. Now we have Ben Roethlisberger, and this is coming to a close. This chapter is coming to a close. And so I think a lot of the hype about Ben Roethlisberger is really just to talk about Pittsburgh itself and the organization, right? Because he's, you know, the quarterback is your face of your team. So I want to point out, um, I just looked it up. There were uh, indeed uh, two uh, sexual assault allegations against Ben Roethlisberger, one in 2009 and one in 2010. Which apparently, I didn't listen to the entire broadcast. I was watching the Manning cast yesterday. Uh, apparently, the Monday Night Football crew for ESPN had referred to it as a, quote, immature time in his life. 
So basically just chalking it up to boys being boys. Yeah, it's just, again, but speaking of, you know, sexual assault allegations, I I, I find it funny that one thing we're criticizing Antonio Brown for yesterday is obviously his field, you know, craziness yesterday. Um, but he also has sexual assault allegations against him. And, uh, you know, I finally took an outburst on the field for Bruce Arians to be like, all right, we're done here. You know, and by the way, still have not released him. He's still on the team. So, you know. Yeah, they were talking about that. Um, they were talking about that today on something that I was watching. I think that has more to do with them, the Buccaneers, like working with the NFL to make sure that if they do cut him, if they do cut Brown, he can't turn around and sue them for like an injury grievance, something to that effect. But I mean, I guess now that we're on Antonio Brown, like it's interesting it's interesting what the NFL and what teams care about because outside of AB like doing his thing on Sunday, none of the things before that mattered, right? None of the the messiness that happened with the Steelers when he left mattered. Nothing with, that happened with Oakland mattered where he basically talked a ton of trash about teammates in the NFL and John Gruden and rightfully so John Gruden got served on that one but all of the things that happened in new england as well where he was accused of sexual assault from multiple women and then when he goes to tampa bay he also faked his vaccine card and got suspended for three games and they continued to keep him there but it wasn't until like they violate he violated like that sacred rule of the nfl like you you know it's all about accountability and like you need to be loyal to the team that it was like this is a bridge too far like my man broke a federal law. I was going to say, he was felonious. A vaccine card. <laughs> and he has done nothing that is in, like, law violation when he threw all of his stuff in left yet on Sunday. And it's just very interesting, like, where the line is for the NFL when, in reality, you have this entire track record of bad behavior and crime that is like, yeah, whatever, it's not a huge deal. Oh, he showed up the coach. Like, no, we can't have him on the team anymore. That's that's like yeah. sociology 101, man. You're, you, there are unwritten rules about being part of the in-group. And the minute you cross that line, it's like you've been banned. You know, it's it's that's there's, there's weird, unwritten, hard lines that you just don't cross. And mm-hmm. he did it. And you know what? Yeah. He cost me. He cost me money in my in my finals in my one league. But Antonio Brown doing that doesn't fucking shock me. Um, what what shocks me is that a team didn't see what like this is my reality about this. This is this is this is the reality of this. Is that he was getting the the real problem was that he's an old fucking dude and he can't admit that he's no longer. A top ten receiver in the league, and so fucking messy fit. I don't know, man, because he was playing kind of well, but he apparently he said that he was injured. He was told by the Buccaneers training staff to go back in the game, and he basically was saying like, "I'm injured. I'm not going back in," and like that's how the scuffle started. And basically, Arians he's saying Arians told him like, "If you're not going to go back in, you're off the team," and he left. 
So yeah, whether or not that's true or not, they, you know, he was playing okay before before um, all of this. But like, you know, what's really interesting though is that we had that that whole vaccination car thing was was wild because you know it's not uncommon. We've seen it happen, but it got no airtime though. No, no it got no not. play. And by the way, we've touched on a few things here that don't get airtime when it comes to talking about the NFL, right? And that's that's criminal criminal things. Like um, it's very it's very rare that the NFL. I think unless the narrative is there, for instance, like Pac-Man Jones was a notable case where I think they let him play the heel of the NFL. And I think right now the NFL is letting Antonio Brown play the heel, right? You know, um, this is the guy you kind of like. They want they want to make him the national example of what not to do because it sets an example for up and coming players to know that this is not acceptable, right? Like we have a strict guideline. There are the unwritten rules, right? Don't break these fucking unwritten rules, and you'll be fine. You can do any of that other shit. You can't do that, right? This is accountability at the NFL top level, right? See, I think he plays again in the NFL. I think someone's dumb enough to to do it. Like, he was on three other teams before this, and one of them was like, yeah, you had a huge meltdown and disrespected the coach in Pittsburgh. We'll bring you in. What and then the Patriots like, yeah, you disrespected the coach. You also got arrested for fighting the moving company of your girlfriend. Um, <laughs> what, what, and what team another team back in? Who do you think What's that? What team do you Who think brings, brings back, back in? Packers. I would say Patriots are the only team. Patriots are the Packers. only team. Kansas City. Cowboys. <laughs> Cowboys. Um, you know what's interesting, though, is that, like, speaking of the vaccination card thing, no one – Aaron Rodgers, he did get some criticism for it. Aaron Rodgers got, like, nothing comparably to the fact that he lied about because the football season is the most important thing. <laughs> I think that's the point I've been trying to impress right now. Like the, other, the football the other, season's the thing that most matters, and everything else is sideline. He didn't have a fake. He didn't have a fake card, for all I know. But like, I'm interested to know what was his status as far as the NFL was concerned. It's ridiculous that they didn't ask for a card, though. Did they or did they not? Because. Like, was he following the protocols for an unvaccinated person? This is the first thing that we've ever had that's proof of your medical history that is, like, something that public venues can ask for. You know what I mean? I think my, my, I think my question becomes is, was Aaron, was Aaron Rodgers on the books in the, in the NFL offices down as vaccinated? Because if that is the case, that means that, like, there was something fishy going on because... If because honestly, you would have to provide like a vaccine card, right, to like show them that you're vaccinated. So that means he either had a fake, a fake card, or somebody just wrote down, "Yep, okay, we'll take your word for it, you're vaccinated." Because if he wasn't going through the protocols of an unvaccinated person, then there there was something something really wrong going. Bothersome in the sense that the reporters that cover the NFL don't want to cover this stuff because nope. they did not get into covering sports, particularly football to talk about like major political or like 
major issues in general. They just want to talk about football. And that's why they let so many people off the hook. And that's why they let so many teams off the hook when it comes to this stuff. Because ultimately, everybody is worried about access. And if you write something bad about a player or a coach or a team, they're going to revoke your access. And it goes back to that the reporters themselves are sticking to sports and they're not willing to really venture outside of the the narrative that the teams or the league allows you to have or else they get like they get vilified for it and then they get basically booted out of the industry like Jamel Hill where she criticized a lot of the things that happened within the NFL and other leagues and they're like, now nah, we don't want to work with you anymore. I think yep. you make a gr- an amazing point, actually. Um, these are sports writers, right? And we're living in a complicated time in which sports and politics are, are at a cross-section and I know that we should probably be expecting more out of our more out of our sports writers, right? Our sports journalists. Like I understand also their point of view in that they're here, they're primarily there to write about the sports. That's not their that's not their wheelhouse. And they're not paid to do it, right? So mm-hmm. they're they're worried about it just as much as I think anybody else that's that's in a public forum is worried about how they present themselves getting involved in anything political, right? You don't want to become politicized because you're a person in a public forum and, you know, depending on who, who you work for and where you work in what markets, um, what you write or what you say um, could be a big difference in whether or not you have to go and find a new job. Um, in our political and social climate. But I I argue, though, that we're being forced there and not talking about it is not being apolitical. It's taking a position. By being silent on it, because even even in the small ways, think about Aaron Rodgers on that Eli Manning Manning. Did anybody see the Manning cast last night? Um, Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers was on, and like, he... Peyton Manning made some innocuous comment about his bookshelf, like, because he always has his fucking bookshelf on it. And he's like, Oh, you're doing a lot of reading. Were you doing a lot of reading during COVID? And he goes, Yeah, I got my copy of of Atlas Shrugged right here. So it's like, All right, bro, we get it. Like, you love capital. Yeah. yeah. It's even, but like, just I mean, I guess applause for Aaron Rodgers for actually getting through Atlas Drugged and not walking uh, into traffic. Oh, 210 pages of it, yes. Can we talk about what a dog shit writer on random is? It was not good. It's terrible. She's a terrible writer. Like, political stuff aside, terrible books. Um,. I was just saying that I find it, I find it hard, I, I find it hard that, like, like I understand they're trying to stay apolitical and stay out of the political discussions, but the problem is when you have athletes themselves. LeBron James criticized the the COVID response um, on Instagram uh, a couple weeks ago. The more we try and ignore it, the more they're being pushed there by the athletes themselves making political statements, whether it be something like Colin Kaepernick, or whether it be something as like COVID, or it be something stupid and small like. You know, Aaron Rodgers talking about right-wing writer Rand. 
it's they the more they stay silent on it, the weirder it's going to get because of how political everything I, has become. I mean, I just I I also look at it like the Colin Kaepernick case and I don't think this guy expected to become the political charge thing that he was and he became the center of a debate that was divisive and also cost the NFL brand money and then they and then a few years later this happens and they're like we just want to stay the fuck out of it um i'm not saying it's right i'm not saying at all not not holding um you know not not projecting your morals or your values or your ethics and and staying you know holding in solidarity with them um can't be done or shouldn't be done in the name of being something that's outside of that political realm. I think I, I think that it it makes sense. There's I understand the mindset or the motivation as to why it doesn't happen. Well, I think the problem is is that journalists are more willing to go after like the the hype generated drama that you could fill with a news cycle for weeks and weeks and weeks and talk about like like an, a passing comment that somebody made and then all of a sudden blow it up into like this person wants to be traded. Meanwhile, they let the actual stories just kind of walk through and walk right out the door and they ignore them. And that's the frustrating part for me is like you watch like basically everything on Fox Sports 1 and ESPN and all of like the major podcasts where they talk about like this mundane drama nonsense but there's actually major issues that are going on that have serious ramifications for any of the leagues but they just ignore them because they don't want to lose access or they don't think that they're interesting when in reality they're incredibly fascinating Atlas shrugged, man. Capitalism. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's the, re the reality of it. Is I don't know like, why people continue to interview. It doesn't put asses in the fucking stands, you know, man? It's weird. I don't know why don't... people continue to interview Aaron Rodgers because he's not a good interview and he's. You went to Berkeley, but you went there for two years, guy. Like, let's pump the fucking brakes on that. So, the funny thing with Aaron Rodgers is I see him as the future Antonio Brown of the league, the heel. It's coming for him. I see it. Wins, no one questions him because he believes winning is the only thing that anybody cares about. And maybe that's true. Maybe I he's think, I, I think he's preparing himself for life after football in that he's going to become – he wants to be a Joe Rogan to me. Or Jay, like Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler who's dating Tommy Warren, by the way. Um, dating? Oh. <laughs> She could she could make her hair fucking purple for all I give a shit. I will never take her seriously. Um, I saw that the other day. I was in the gym. They had Fox News up, and she was. You could see her mouth moving at a million miles an hour, and all the other fucking correspondents that were on were just rolling their fucking eyes. It's just madness. But it's amazing. Oh. Generally speaking, of assholes, who is your pick for asshole of the week, Tom? Oh man, there are so many. There are so many of them. Um, okay, I have one that bothered me today because after my workday ended, I went to the gym 
And if anybody knows that going to the gym at like 5.30 or 6 o'clock at night is normally a very busy, busy time. And I mean, there's also folks that are, you know, working on their New Year's resolution and I applaud them like, hey, stay for more than a couple of weeks, like really invest yourself in this. That'd be great. But there was somebody that really bothered me because that person felt compelled to set up a stand and record themselves on the um, the Stairmaster wow. and essentially blocking an entire way to get to all the treadmills. And I was on the row behind that person and I saw this whole operation get set up. And I see people who are trying to get to the treadmills from that side having to stop because they don't want to walk in front of this person recording themselves, just recording their back and them walking up a, the, the Stairmaster. And I thought like, this is the problem that I have with influencer culture in the sense that there is a general, like ignoring like things that would be, make sense if you did not have a camera on you. Like it's busy, it's a weekday, like, People are here off of work just trying to get some activity in at the end of the day and you have to make this a fucking photo shoot. Like if you want to do this stuff, come with the 5 a.m. crew like nobody's there or come in like the two o'clock in the afternoon when no one's at the gym. But like to have no sense of like awareness and like what your surroundings are. It just shows like there is a level of like vanity and ignorance of social cues that people who get like more than 100 likes on Instagram or YouTube are willing to forego. I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to say don't do that at, at 2 p.m. or 5 a.m. Don't do that, period. Because it's, um, it's, it's an absolute stupid fucking – I see people doing it all the time in the, in the gym setting up a camera and it's like no one gives a shit. No one yeah. cares. That's, that's not really narcissistic, man. I mean, that's. I would. Can you, can would you elaborate more? Can, can you tell me what. So you had to be paying attention to this, right? Like, it was literally right in front of me. So, so okay. So you, you're watching this unfold, right? How long were they on the, on the Stairmaster? Four minutes, maybe. Four minutes. Uh, what were they doing on the Stairmaster? How was, how was the intensity? What was, what was going on? Intensity was not terribly strong but they were holding like two five pound like what you would put on like a barbell and what were they doing with it just walking just holding them and walking so like, they holding them up they holding no them? like holding them by their side so no, like no after now you said four minutes after they stopped recording did they get back on and finish their workout or did they walk away they walked away <laughs> mm -hmm. was this an objectively attractive person that doesn't matter to me. It, no, I'm, I'm, I'm asking because do you think this is a uh, – the reason I ask that, it's not asking for your opinion on a person's hot or not. Do you think this is a person who has a lot of followers on Instagram? I don't know, but honestly, that doesn't really matter to me. Like whether you have one or a million, like I – mean, Objectively, I'm, I'm, ugly people have a lot of followers on Instagram. It's just rare. It's no, just no, very rare. It's not even me, really me asking for your opinion. It's more, I'm just trying to guess is like, is this a person who gets paid from Instagram? Or is this a person who's just lost all sense of reality and they're like, yeah, my 120 followers are going to fucking love this content. I would assume it's that one. Because the other, because the other idea is like, 
you know, if you're, let's say you're at the gym and you are, you want somebody to record you doing like, like arm curls or like a bench press so you can see like what your form is, right? Like, are you doing something correctly? Are you lifting equally with both arms? Like I could, you could make that case for that. Or even if somebody is like recording you while you're on the treadmill to see what your gait is, like where your where your feet are striking the pavement or what your arms are doing, that all makes sense to me. I might be ignorant, but Stairmaster, it's like you put one foot in front of the other and you press down. Do you feel like that what this person was doing was going to be influential positively? Like people should be following it, should be influenced by it? Do you think that you know, yeah, but you know, you know what thing that I, I, I get what you're saying that like there may be one per, if one per, like, is it worth it if one person watches that story and goes, you know what, time for me to get back in the gym. You know, this person's doing it, and I should do it too. But the fact is, though, that it's such a hollow representation of of everything because of the fact that this person spent four minutes on stairmaster just enough to capture their content. And so it's like ultimately, I, I don't I, I, unless you're a person that is making money off of it. Like if you're doing it just for the love of the game, it's it, I, I don't see the, the purpose. Yeah, I mean that person could be somebody who's got a lot of followers, but what I saw did not justify like me personally being motivated. Just because like I find it's far more interesting to see what's behind the camera and what's going on around it versus like what the camera is going to show you because everything that we've learned so far is like situations can be staged. Like we already have like a slew of influencers who've gotten caught, like running to your local track and like, like pouring water on themselves to look like they ran like five miles and then just getting back in their car and going home. There are people that are really trying to make their New Year's resolutions about getting healthy and being fit and trying to, to live their life in a better way. And then to have somebody disrupt what they're trying to do to get some likes and get some shots of them just like literally at like a level four on the treadmill or on the Stairmaster doing something that you're not even gonna break a sweat doing. Like for me, that's just, this is dumb and you should not follow people who do that. That's the point, right? That's exactly yes. right there. And so, again, you don't need to go to the gym and like record every waking minute of your time there. You shouldn't even be doing that anyway because there's also consent laws that no one's considering as well. Yeah, it's they're falsifying a testimony, right? They're they're saying this is my truth, but it's not true. It's not it's not their reality. Yeah. Well, I I, I guess I'll go. Um, my <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we all just we, we had a momentary sad right there. It's just like yeah, this is society. Yeah, because it's depressing. Living. It's honestly depressing that like <laughs> this is like like at least if you had told me that like that person turned it off and then like was on there for forty five minutes and did like did the work. Okay, you know what? Post your shit. Go ahead. But like the fact that they just like got off after like three minutes, it's just, like fucking annoying. Yeah, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make my asshole of the week the newly anointed mayor of New York City, Eric Swagger, because this fucking guy, like, basically asks for any semblance of a plan of like how are you gonna handle this like growing COVID epidemic in the city. He's like, we're gonna attack it by 
you know, being swagger. <laughs> and like the, the city's always what? better. Yeah. He uh he's like, like using operating. bad buzzwords. Wrong. Yeah, the city the city always operates better when it has a sense of swagger to it. And then today when asked for um, advice for you know for people that are scared to return to work, he kept using a term called low skilled worker. And basically referring to people who are working at Dunkin' Donuts and stuff like that. Most skilled workers. You mean like really mayor of New York City? <laughs> man, who, man who objectively most likely is working remotely on a lot of things um, is basically like chastising people who are scared to return to work um, because of, you know, the fear of getting COVID and the fear of getting sick and then possibly becoming either worse off or you know, whatever may, whatever it might be, killing a family member, and basically saying that we owe it to the ecosystem of New York City to keep things running. Basically, like, you know, you're a peasant, get back to work. So, so um, he, he basically said, you know, the people that everyone relies on, on their day-to-day, whether they, they like to admit it or not, the people that keep New York City running, keep it right. moving, and, and keep it moving, and... Don't fucking think about it because I said so. Oh, and I saw a, a great I, I, I saw a great uh, TikTok of where basically it was this guy mimicking a zombie outbreak. Oh yeah, and he's acting as a CDC representative, saying that you can still go to work if you've been bitten. And I feel like that's that's the movie to make at this point. That from the zombie outbreak, and you have the government telling you to get back to work. You know, I think that it's it's really frustrating like to hear all of these elected officials trying to show like levels of compassion until it comes to like the economic standing of their city or their state or their district or their country. And then it's like, whoa, wait, we need to get people back to work. Like why? And I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago. It's called Citations Needed, um, where they talked about just the response Um, And how capitalism's approach to large-scale crises like pandemics um, really focuses more on the people who are essentially the sacrificial lambs of the system. You don't want to mess with the economy, which is this breathing, living entity that only consumes and never outputs for people's benefit. And I would wager that like the word economy, New York City's economy, New York State's economy, you know, the island of Manhattan's economy is in jeopardy because people are not coming to work. When in reality, people's lives are at jeopardy and the economy is much more resilient than people make it out to be. It's just... Again, it's disheartening because it comes down to the dollars and cents of it, and you know, this is this is gonna compassion starts when the bills get paid, I guess. Well, this is gonna this is gonna majorly backfire on, on politicians because I think people are starting to become aware that they could probably do a pretty large general strike and threaten to shut down the economy for better wages and you know better whatever better time better PTO. And uh, they're really putting themselves in a position where people are going to start realizing, like, we have a lot of power. And, like, I I mentioned this before with, uh, you know, with many things that, like, you – the minute people start realizing, like, oh, I don't have to be, like, treated like shit in the workplace, they'll they'll take advantage of it. So 
In a lot of ways, this might be a positive net in the term that people finally realize that they have more power in the workplace than they thought they did. But yeah, it's, it, it is very much, we, we're all in this together until the economy starts to, starts to go down. Now get your ass back to work. Make, you know, make that fucking coffee while catching a potentially very fatal disease. So it's, uh, yeah. and it, working at a place that doesn't provide you health insurance. Exactly. Yeah, and and for for Eric Adams, I mean, I you know, this is his third day on, or third or fourth day on the job at this point, and like he's already ignoring like the large scale of like people who are like just concerned to go back to work and using buzzwords like swagger to try and like act like a cool cool hip guy. And like again, I thought De Blasio was a fucking piece of shit, and this guy is already starting to eclipse him. So it's a, it's a really, really interesting strategy from him. So he will be uh, my asshole of the week, Anthony Gatto. He really, he he decides to really show his asshole colors like day one of the job. Um, and you know, I look, we're we're we live in New York, but like he's the mayor of New York City, so he has nothing. To do with us. This is where I worry about the intersection because this actually also brings up an asshole of the week for me. There's an intersection between social media presence, influencer, a career politician through through the grassroots of social media, so to speak, to get there. Asshole of the week, Marjorie Taylor Green. MTG. MTG. I have to explain too hard because I think everybody has an opinion about her. She, she's picked. She's picked a, a side in a battle that that goes nowhere. Right? Like, we're going to talk about this till we go bull in the face. Um, it's going to be a, something that that recurs over all of our podcasts. Is like the end of the day. Like the economy is what really matters, right? Like we've my favorite Marjorie Taylor Greene thing was when she uh, compared wearing a mask to the Holocaust. And then... Oh, yeah, that was a keeper. Did her Mia culpa, like, basically visited the Holocaust Museum, acted like, oh, my God, I didn't know all this stuff that happened back then. And then literally less than a week later, compared something else to the Holocaust. And it was, like, just chef's kiss. So, in, when I when I lived in Europe, there, there was there's something that my ex-girlfriend would say, and she would say... If you have to compare it to the Nazis, you've already lost. That's actually a really good way to... And yeah, it's spot on. You know, it's like there's a sidebar to this asshole of the week because kudos to... And I'm not talking about the misinformation. We're going to put that aside. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm going to talk about the the fact that I I have to give kudos to Twitter for sticking to their policy, not retracting it because this is a person of influence, a person with large following that actually creates economic gain for the company. But at the same time, I also have, they 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 might have like pulled one root, but in that space, like a bunch of crabgrass popped back up. The vacuum so to speak, because she's already back, she has backup accounts, um, and they're back up with full followings. I mean, I saw one today, it was like Rep MTG, it's got 390, and that's now her new official, you know what I mean? So it's like, you you didn't do, you did some, but you didn't do enough in that it's, sense. It, that's you know? her, that's her, yeah, I think they're, they're going to have to make a decision, because they, they suspended her personal account, but did not her, her uh, representative account. And are we going to get to the point where they show the fucking stones to, if you're going to ban the person, 
just because this person's an elected official, like they're 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 small towns with fucking dogs for mayors, you know. I, I don't think being an elected official in this country really means shit anymore. Um, no, not particularly. Are they, are they gonna do representative account because she's just gonna shift to that one too? And <clears throat> now they're, they're, they'll play the part of like that account. Ha- you know, we treat each account differently, but like at the end of the day. If it's coming from the same person, the same rules should apply. So we'll see what we'll see what they do. Well, the other thing is too is like she'll probably smarten up and use more dog whistles and 100%. like innuendo Let's go rather branded. than like yeah, and and instead of just outwardly saying it, but you all know what it's get it what the intention behind it is. I think there's plenty of precedent with the fact that our former president was basically banned from all social media platforms, sans parlor. I was. Well- And there's definitely precedent there, but I I think Twitter deserves a lot of credit for the stuff that Facebook is not willing to do. Sorry, meta, where they, they built a policy. They said, we're going to stick to this regardless of the situation. And they've laid out the rules for everybody. And the folks that have clearly violated those rules, they've said, nope, you're done versus Facebook is like, well, we need to consider this. Like this is a marketplace of ideas. Like... And then they cry whenever somebody criticizes them when in fact they're showing like they're intentionally pushing dangerous information in front of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, you know, and we're seeing we're seeing it's like ra- it's becoming more of a rabid fan base, too, because I'm seeing I was seeing stuff on uh, like Telegram um, that people have been posting that like now apparently Donald Trump's too left wing because of his love of vaccines. And all that. So now, I mean, again, we're we're it's very, very dangerous conversations to happen that would not happen anywhere. Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I do give Twitter credit in some circumstances, but I think they have dropped the ball. I think they I think there's a little too little too late for all of them, really. Right? Like mm-hmm. they they really didn't start monitoring this until it became like a potential of them being audited or investigated by the federal government. Like they saw all of this stuff in 2014 and 2015 and so on where they're basically like how can we squeeze every penny out of this before we're legally told that we have to stop yeah and like all of the altruism about like their shareholder meetings about changing the world and changing the way that people communicate with each other all of that is nonsense because ultimately what it comes down to is how do we leverage all of this drama and make money off of it and by our fifth speed. Let me ask you, you've all seen Don't Look Up? Mm-hmm. Tell me. Reactions on Don't Look Up? I didn't like it. It was very heavy-handed. You were concerned about the jobs, weren't you? It was, very- it was, very, it was extremely heavy-handed um, to the point of absurdity. And I understand that's kind of the intention, but I, like, I, 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 I didn't find it enjoyable. There was no, there was nothing I enjoyed about the movie. It was like, aside from maybe a line here or there, it wasn't a comedy, really, because I don't remember laughing really at any point during during the movie. Um, it just I think frustrated me. The absurdity of it all, though, don't you? Yeah, I I don't know if I find that funny. More if I find it ironic. Like, yeah, this is going all the time. I think I think Idiocracy did a better job at kind of pushing the idea of. The culture doesn't care about anything, and we're we're becoming more like simple, and we're more focused on you know fucking Pete 
Davidson fucking Kim Kardashians than we are about, you know, uh, I mean, is that a thing? Yeah. Apparently so. Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, she did marry Chris Humphreys, so there is precedent. Yeah, that's questionable. Mm. No, I, so I, just, I, I, heavy I, but yeah. I didn't mind the movie. I thought there were elements of it that were... I thought there were elements of the movie that hit a little too close to home where people, again, just walked past them and be like, this is funny. Like, right, but this is happening right now. Like, the whole film is, like, basically making fun of, like, every component of, like, mass media and how political, like... Political ramifications determine or dictate like decisions that are made. Um, I'm not going to go into a huge rant about it because the boys at Friday Beers had a really nice um, (laughs) mock of it and it was hysterical. Um, But I mean, there were parts that I liked and parts that I didn't like. I thought the part where Leonardo DiCaprio was driving in the bathroom of the White House was hysterical. (laughs) That's the part. That's funny. It's just something goofy about it, um, but yeah, I mean, it was it was entertaining. I watched it with my parents and my wife on um, I think Christmas Eve. So the, the Friday beer skit was fucking great on that. It was it was, so good. It was pretty good. It was yeah. so good. Um, well, okay, I, I I get what you're saying. Um, would you ever think you you are ever watching or is it ever is it rewatchable that face kind of tells it all right there probably not yeah i'll probably not turn it on again I, so from from that point i i rate a, a movie on many different factors but one of them is rewatchability um can i that's fair can i look at this as like man that was fucking great i actually like would love to watch it back and see if i missed anything but I, for that i was like yeah it's yeah it's fine a couple good moments but i don't think i ever will and plus it was fucking like two and a half hours so long yeah it did feel long it did feel like it was drawn out a little bit the the timeline just kept seemed to get pushed around yeah because they I wasn't they entirely sure about when that asteroid was actually yeah. hit the earth i like the movie but it it didn't have enough action through the middle of it to really keep it moving Right, it felt like it, it was stagnant at points, and and that's the one thing I will knock it for. I actually, I, I mean, I found it to be a pretty brilliant movie in a lot of ways because I love anything that's going to put a little bit of a mirror, and and yes, it's an absurd mirror, but it, it puts a little mirror on society. It might not be a comet, but there's other things out there um, that we kind of treat similarly, and I like. I mean, I like humor that's kind of deep-rooted. I, I think we need to laugh at those things because that's how we actually... We can't laugh at ourselves, right? You know, like, we're not going to be able to, to make that change or see where we need to go or grow, so... You know what the sad part is, though? Is that, that so, like, I'm guessing she's, you know, Meryl Streep's president character is kind of a, a Donald Trump-ish type, you know, like a Sarah Palin kind of copy. Um, the, the sad reality is that Trump's probably going to win again in 2024. So we apparently do not learn people. So we are kind of the doomed people at the end of the movie. As much as that movie probably was talking about climate change, that, that could be anybody in modern government. I mean, we were just talking about fucking the mayor of New York. And... Like, Adam? It, I don't even want to give him credence. Like, <laughs> just mayor of New York. So, if anyone listens to this archival 
They're they're not <laughs> they're not looking this guy up and bringing him back from the dead after he's destroyed his career. Because you know everything that dies like a decade ago might be might be trending or fashionable now. So <laughs> I think I think it did a, I think it did a, a nice job kind of conveying the message. Um, whether or not society heeds that message, probably not. But uh, I think it, I think it definitely did uh, did its purpose. But uh, do you guys have any picks of the week? Anything you guys wanted to talk about? Recommend or TV show, movie? Um, there's a show. It's the dumbest show alive. It's called Cobra Kai on Netflix. I for, I don't know why I like this show, but I can't help but like it. Um, maybe it's because I'm being quarantined and I'm going insane. Maybe, but I find it to be very entertaining. So uh, it's very dumb, but I've I found myself actually enjoying it. That's on Netflix. What season are they in now? They actually have four seasons. I don't know how they had four seasons, but yeah. So I, I'm on season one, and it's actually kind of entertaining. Um, it's kind of a nice. It's actually repeat culture, and I hate re- redos, and I hate when they like you know are going to redo a movie or anything. This is kind of like an extension of the movie from the 80s. It's a nice story about, like, what is the bully up to nowadays? You know, like that bully in high school. It's actually quite entertaining, but completely stupid. But um, I find myself sometimes I enjoy the, the really dumb TV shows. So i say give it a try. Tom, um, you got anything? It's, it's funny, though. I literally watched Karate Kid... Two and then the beginning of three today. Did you really? You must. Yeah. What are the, what are the fucking odds you're watching? You have to kill this fucking. This Karate Kid first one was actually on at the gym. Today. The first one. Oh, Jesus Christ! What are the odds? I, I've seen the first one. I've never seen the second or third one. So was the second one when he goes to Japan or Okinawa? That's in third. Yes. Third the second one is where he's preparing to defend his title. I thought that was And the so third. he enlists the help of Cobra Kai's gym, gym leader, and it's all a ruse. And uh, the guy's just trying to like beat him up before the match, and then he sucks complete ass in the fucking match, and just gets like one lucky hit at the end. And I'm like, what did we learn from this besides? This is how you waste two hours. Yeah, it was. Yeah, bad. maybe you should pick up like skiing or something like that because <laughs> karate is not how you're gonna do it. They made karate look um, so cool, and it actually caught on, and it was so dorky when watching that movie. It's well, like, well, the first one actually is is pretty solid movie. It's an '80s movie, and you, you know you, you can't expect too much from it. But it actually did, it's more about the soundtrack than anything else. Oh, yeah. Fair. But it but it, <laughs> it it did lead to like a like a cultural revolution of karate like it, it really actually did kind of make it culturally relevant so it actually did serve kind of like a very interesting purpose but yeah I I, I again I I don't remember I really barely ever remember seeing that movie but I just happened to put it on and it's uh it's it doesn't take itself too seriously which I kind of appreciate so like because if you if you try and make a serious like show about people doing karate like feuding karate gyms it, the, the concept alone is so dumb but like it's just kind of nice turn your brain off kind of show guys i have an idea we rewrite the script using krav maga now yeah the krav, the krav maga kid 
starring Paul. Starring I Paul say that. It's like ninety percent more crotch punches, but you know, it's it's worth it. If it's you want a, revolution. Like, if you want to know when the Karate Kid franchise was officially like murdered, the woods Karate Kid Four. Like, There's a fourth. Yes, and Hillary Swank was actually in it too. That movie I'm made no sense. This was a movie that was written like an hour sense. before the final was due. And it was just horrendous. I didn't even know there I didn't even know there was a fourth one. I knew there was a that's, remake. That's we should, you know, we should do, best, I don't know man. if we're I don't know if we're copyrighted allowed to do this, but we should do a live cast just like tooling on that movie. I'll be down for that. Can we get the script and do a table read of it? In our own version, I think we should. I think we should all watch it and then report our findings, take notes. On. I'm hundred percent down with that. Cool. We should verify to see if it's on any of the. Yeah, major can we adapt it to the Shit Eyes universe? That sounds to me like the like the origin story. Yes, I never, I never, I never even knew there was a Karate Kid four. So this is yeah, all that's it. actually. I can't imagine. I mean, I sat through probably forty five minutes of the second one and another twenty of the third. Before my brain is melting. I mean, it was a classic, like, early 90s film where they thought that you can get away with, like, using 30-year-olds as, like, high school kids. Uh, like, that dude over there looks like he's got kids. <laughs> like <laughs> that, guy, that guy's about to go collect Social Security, and he's like, I'm going to college <laughs> next year. Can't wait. I'm a fucking junior. Gosh, he's going to be on varsity next year. Like, <laughs> varsity? What? <laughs> Class. It's called it's called the next karate kid, by the way. Yes. It's a what? It's called the next the next karate kid. The next karate kid. That's what it's called. 1994. So I guess I'll go I'll go next. Um I started a book called Empty Mansions today. First Congratulations. my my local library. Um, for allowing me to read all of those. I actually just got my new library card today for Cabarrus County Library System. Support your local library. Um, and I downloaded that book called Empty Mansions, which is about a an heiress to a huge copper empire who was like a recluse for her entire life and died at the age of 104 and was living in a hospital for like the final 20 years of her life. It's about this journalist, the grand nephew of this heiress, and they're trying to figure out why does she own all of these houses, one of them worth over $100 million, and she doesn't live in any of them, mm. and has never lived in any of them. What's the name of it? Like there was, it's called Empty Mansions. Honestly, when you said that title, my mind went instantly to like a Fifty Shades of Grey, you picked up woman porn, um, but I was afraid of that too. But then I read the description, and it was crazy. not. It was in the non. It was in the nonfiction section, and I know that That's nonfiction really is pretty good. This is a true story. I thought it was still yes. until you just said that. That's, yeah, um, the name of the the heiress is you get Clark and W Clark W M Clark. I think was. The name of her father, and he started his basic like empire, like mining copper. They said at one point he was one of the richest people in the country during the Gilded Age. The Clark Mansion in New York City 
Oh, no. Um, in Butte, Montana. It's this, it's this huge house that's built by W.A. Clark that oh, is now... entirely out of copper. <laughs> it would be interesting if it was. Um, Empty Mansions, The Mysterious Life of You Get Clark and the Spending of a Great American Fortune. Nice. And this, this person is a complete, like, off-the-grid individual. Like had not been seen for like 70 years. Very, very fascinating because there's a part of the book that I was just going through where the grandnephew is talking with Uget and she sent him a bunch of pictures from when she was younger. And there was a picture of them all standing in the dining room. And he asked her like, who are some of the people in this picture for this dinner party? And she was like, oh, one of them is JP Morgan. And then there was this other fellow, what was his name? She called him a character. Like, who was that character? Oh yeah, Carnegie. So like, we're talking about like the, the upper echelon of like the American industrialists and the ones who made a killing during that time period, but also are like giants when it comes to American industry. This family was in it. This person has obviously passed away. She died before she was 105, but it's just a very, Long very interesting like, conversation of like, where's all this money going? Millions of dollars is getting moved around and there's some shady people working in it too. So does she become very Howard Hughes-esque? Is that kind of, or am I off the beat on this? I'm not, I'm not that far into it yet, but from what it sounds like, it went very, very... It's something, has, something has happened where this person has felt the need to completely isolate themselves. It's one of those like spiraling stories, right? Like, you're at the top and here's your downfall kind of thing. Yeah, because this, when this person died, she died with $300 million in the bank. Not bad. And there were two wills that were written. And again, I'm not very far into this yet, but there are two wills that were written. One, they were both within six weeks of each other. One was like $5 million was going to be left to this person's nurse. A part of the estate was going to be divvied up to go somewhere else. And the rest of it was going to go to the surviving children, but didn't define who the surviving children, surviving members of the family were. And then there was another one that was written six weeks later that completely cut the family out and money went to the nurse and then money went to like a private trust for like an art gallery. And the art family, <laughs> art is definitely not scammy. Um, <laughs> and now the family has gone to court to try and get that money back. Yeah. And it's just this whole rigmarole. I'll report back next week and provide that's, more uh, details. But... That's a pretty interesting read there, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to ask you questions next week about this. With your, with your tail between your legs after I kick your ass in fantasy this week. Yeah, you can well, leave that in your dream diary that if you want. Fucking by the way, this podcast is brought to you by... Do you have it? Yes, this podcast is brought to you by... Um, by Borshead. Um, the... Link to the videos um, or the link to the movies that we referenced and the book Empty Mansions will be mentioned in the show notes. Um, again, follow us on all of the streaming platforms and our Instagram page. Thank you all for coming by and we hope you enjoyed the Second Mouse podcast. Yes.